Hey everyone, today we are in week four of our Everyday Theology series, and we're going to pick up right where we left off last week in Romans chapter eight. So grab your Bible, open your Bible app, turn there now. It's in this passage that the Apostle Paul is going to present us with two different approaches for living life. And anyone who is involved with education currently, like teachers, administrators, students, parents, so many of the awesome grandparents helping out, like you're going to be able to relate to the concept Paul talks to us about today. Because right now, you're living in the tension of two completely different approaches to education and learning, right? There's the old way of doing things, the way that was standard and familiar for so many of us, and then remote learning hit, right? And now we are living in this new reality. And it's brought about a completely different start to the school year than we've ever experienced before. We've had to an, adopt an entirely new approach to education with new technology and new resources because of remote learning. In that old way, it just doesn't cut it anymore. And it's this same concept that the Apostle Paul presents to us in our passage today. Last week, Pastor John took us through the first four verses of Romans 8, in which the Apostle Paul, he makes this really bold statement. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's because of this new reality that we have, the reality that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus, that Paul then is going to teach us how we have to adopt an entirely new approach to life. Just as remote learning has created this tension between the old way of doing things and the new approach that's required, Paul is going to spend nine verses juxtaposing two approaches that we can take to life. The old way of living life and then a completely new and entirely different way of living. So let's see what those are as we read together today. We're going to start in verse 5 of Romans 8. Paul writes this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh, they cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And then look at this, verse 12, Paul says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. We have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, as we read, you probably notice these two phrases in particular that Paul repeats over and over again. 
These are the two approaches that he lays out for us when it comes to how we live life. Paul says we can live according to the flesh or we can live according to the spirit. Let's start with that first one. What does Paul even mean when he says we can live according to the flesh? Well, first, it's important to realize that when Paul, when he's talking about the flesh, like he's not simply talking about the physical body, right? But in our English language, this is how we often think of that term flesh. You know, growing up in the church, I have read this passage. I've heard this passage taught numerous times. And I've always thought that the word flesh here had this strictly physical connotation to it. Someone who lives according to the flesh is someone who lives life controlled by their physical desires, controlled by sins of the flesh, sexual sins, alcoholism, drug addiction, things that control our physical bodies. And I believe it's even this perspective that causes church people to like put a greater emphasis on these particular types of sins. We even judge people who struggle with these sins more harshly because, you know, they're, they're living according to the flesh. However, that perspective on the term flesh here it isn't fully accurate. When Paul says those who live according to the flesh, he isn't simply talking about the physical sins or our fleshly desires. Yes, that's part of what he's saying, but what he means here, it's actually so much bigger than that. You see, instead, Paul is talking about the whole of a person, the whole life. A person that is living according to the flesh isn't just someone who commits certain types of sins. No, it is anybody Anybody who is approaching life from the standpoint of, I'm looking out for me. I'm looking out for me. Living according to the flesh is a me-centered, me-driven approach to life. I'm the one who's in control of my life. I am the one who trusts in my own strength and my own determination. I make decisions based off of what I think and what I feel is best. I give primary consideration to my needs and my desires, my wants, my fears over anyone else's. Living according to the flesh is a life lived focused on me. And it's important to acknowledge that this is humanity's default way of living. Like, I have been living this way. You, you've been living this way since the very first moment of our existence. This is exactly what Paul talks about in chapters 1 and 2 of Romans. In chapters 6 and 7, it's this sinful nature that every human being has. This innate, natural bent towards our own good rather than the good of others or even of God. Okay, look back at verse five. Paul says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. What is the flesh desire? Well, think about it. The flesh desires self-sufficiency, right? And so this is why so many of us, we struggle with pride, stubbornness, an unwillingness to be vulnerable with other people and actually let them in. The flesh desires self-exaltation. This is why we strive to achieve status, money, power. 
It's why we desire pleasures. It's why we can't easily let it go when we don't get the credit for something that we did or, or when we don't get the admiration that we feel we deserve. The flesh desires self-preservation, right? This is why we struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness when someone has wronged us. We want revenge. They can't treat us like that. It's why we fear the future and the unknowns because we don't know what's going to happen. And am I ultimately going to be okay? The desire for self-preservation is what causes us to vote for people and policies that value our best interest, that prioritize our standard of living, our quality of life, even if those come at the expense of the least of these, because you know what? That's what's most important. Me. Just about any sin you can think of. Anger, insecurity, lust, fear, they are all different symptoms of the same sickness, this idolatrous bent that I have and that you have toward self. I mean, the Apostle Paul says this approach to life, living according to the flesh, it leads to death. But thankfully, that's not our only option. The Apostle Paul says, hey, there is a different approach, a different quality of life other than what comes so naturally in living life for yourself. And this different quality of life is what you and I were created for. And he calls it living according to the Spirit. Okay, what does Paul mean by living according to the Spirit? Well, let me summarize it for you, and then we'll go look at things in more detail. If I had to dwindle it down to one sentence, I would say that living according to the Spirit is living your life sensitive to and dependent upon the promptings and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll say that again because it's a mouthful. Living according to the Spirit is living your life sensitive to and dependent upon the promptings and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, one thing that the Bible is clear about is that you and I, we do not have the ability in and of ourselves to become what we want to be, to become what God intended for us, created us to be. No, the self-centered life that just comes so naturally to us, it always ends up being smaller, much less than what God wanted for us. And this is why the Apostle Paul, he says this in verse 7, look back there. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. What he's saying is as long as you and as long as I are walking according to the flesh, we won't be a, we won't be willing to submit totally to God's law. Even if we were willing, we wouldn't be able to do it. For most people who would call themselves a Christian, they can probably identify some moment, some time experience in their life where they began to identify like that as a Christian. Some moment where they prayed a prayer or, or they had a conversation with a Christian and, and got some questions answered or maybe a moment where they raised their hand or they stood in a church service. Some moment where they realized I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior and God provided that savior for me through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's in that moment that you surrender your life 
to God. And, and, and Christians call this moment a getting saved or being born again, accepting Jesus into your heart, like whatever term you want to use. And for a lot of us, we have this moment of surrender, this moment of like acknowledging our need for God. And scripture teaches us that it's in this moment that we receive God's Holy Spirit. That he actually comes and he lives in us. Scripture said he dwells inside of us. But you see, even though we surrender to God in that moment, even though we receive the Holy Spirit in our life in that moment, what we don't do after that is continue to embrace a lifestyle of surrender. We don't continue to like utterly depend on God's spirit in us each and every single day. I mean, instead, we attempt to maintain our same old approach to life. We continue to live according to the flesh. I mean, we surrender to God in the moment, but ultimately we still want to maintain control of our own life. Sure, we introduce some new habits in our life, right? That help us feel like we're being a good Christian. We get connected in church. We read our Bible or we pray more than we used to. Sure, we know that there's certain behaviors in our life that we shouldn't do anymore, right? Christians shouldn't do that. Things that are wrong, things that are sinful. And so we try really hard to stop doing those things. Maybe we even have success for a period of time in not doing those things. But eventually, what do we do? We do those things again, right? And then we feel guilty about it. We feel shame for it. We, we make promises to ourselves and to others and to God that, okay, I'll try, I'll try harder. I'll be better. I, I won't do that again. But you see, the problem isn't that you aren't dedicated enough. The problem isn't that you just haven't tried hard enough yet. No, the problem, Paul says, is that it's impossible in and of ourselves to submit to God, to follow God through our own strength. It can't happen. This is why we have to adopt an entirely new approach to life. Living according to the Spirit is living my life, starting my day from the moment I accept Christ and each and every day forward, continually throughout the day where I am sensitive to and dependent upon the promptings of the Holy Spirit and I'm trusting in His empowerment in my life. Whenever I come up against those walls, whenever I come up against those temptations, those frustrations, when I come up against those bad moods and that selfishness and that anger that just influences my behavior and it like takes me in all kinds of directions, I have to say, Holy Spirit, I can't handle it. I can't handle how I feel. I can't handle that temptation. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm putting my whole trust in your power and, and, and your life living through me to handle that. You see, a very simple way of defining what living by the Spirit means is this. I can't, but God, you can. It's this daily, moment-by-moment -moment realization that, man, even when I'm at my best, it's not good enough. Even when I go a few weeks and I kind of have my act together, I still fall short. God, I can't. I can't do this, but you can. You see, the whole concept of living according to the Spirit, it hinges on your understanding and on my understanding of our inability. 
because living according to the spirit, it's trusting in his promptings and depending on his empowerment moment by moment, day by day to do what otherwise you could never do. This is a completely different approach to life. Let me illustrate it this way for you. Let's say I were to invite you to my house today. You've, you've never been before, but hey, I want you to come over and we're going to have dinner in my backyard, you know, socially distant style and hang out and get to know each other. You know, there are a couple different ways I could get you there. I could give you my address, right? And you can enter it into whatever maps app you prefer and you'd be provided with step-by-step directions to my house. You'd get on 580 and when you get to Livermore, you'd exit Isabel and blah, 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 blah until you arrive at my house. And so what would you do? Well, you'd get in your car and you'd pull up the navigation and you'd follow it. And you could pull up the overview and see exactly uh, step-by-step directions. You could choose alternate routes depending on traffic in order to get you there quicker. You would have all the information you need at your fingertips. I mean, you could ultimately measure your success based off of your own ability to follow the steps, read street signs, and arrive at the desired destination. That's a picture of living according to the flesh. Hey, I got my instructions, I got my list, but I can ultimately still stay in control. I don't, I don't need to be dependent on anyone else other than myself. I just gotta focus on the directions. But the other way I could get you there is to jump into my car as well and just have you follow me. Right, you would say, but I, what do you mean follow? I don't know how to get to your house. Well, just follow me. Well. Are, are we going to get on 580? Like, just follow me. Well, what if we get separated and you lose me in traffic? Hey, just follow me. You know what your focus would be on? Me. When I turn left, you turn left. When I turn right, you turn right. When I slow down, you slow down. You're not focused on your navigation. You're not focused on reading the street signs. None of that is relevant to you anymore. You just have to focus on me and the prompts that I give to you. The destination is the same, but man, the difference is what you're focused on. The difference is you would be moment by moment dependent on me. You'd have to trust in me to get you to where you wanted to be. I mean, that's a picture of living according to the spirit. It's living your life sensitive to and dependent upon the promptings and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know many of you are thinking, okay, Becky, this sounds great, right? But how, how do we do this? Well, Paul gives us some direction here. Like, did you notice, just read through those verses again. Did you see all throughout this passage, Paul doesn't talk about our actions. No, he talks about our thinking. I mean, look at how many times he uses the word mind. Why? Because living according to the flesh isn't simply doing bad things. And living according to the spirit isn't just about doing good things. No, Paul isn't talking about behavior change. He's talking about a mindset change. Paul is saying, hey, what we dwell on in our minds, it will shape the way that we live our lives. What we set our mind on shapes our character and our behavior. 
And so each of us, we have a daily choice to make. Am I going to go by what I want to do? Or am I going to go by what God wants me to do? Am am I going to listen to the spirit of God in my life? Or am I going to listen to my old self, to my flesh? It starts in the mind. A daily choice of setting your mind, setting your focus on the Holy Spirit, being dependent on him and listening for his voice, for his promptings. By the way, when I say listening to the spirit or listening for his promptings, I'm not talking about a big booming voice from heaven. So often, so many followers of Jesus, they doubt whether or not they hear God's voice because they expect it to sound like whatever they imagine God to sound like. But the reality is the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? So he's going to sound like you. He just doesn't say what the self-focused version of you would say. Do you want to know how I personally identify the Holy Spirit's voice in my life? I start to listen to my own self-talk. And I ask, okay, does this sound like something self-focused Becky would say? Or does this sound like something spirit-focused Becky would say? Let me give you an example. Becky, living according to the flesh, would say, this year has been bonkers, right? It's insane. I, I need to make sure that we are saving uh, money, all, all that we can, because I don't know what's going to happen next, right? The economy is all over the place. We don't know what next year we're holding. Man, we've been working too hard to build what we have to own a house in California. Like, I'm not going to risk that. And so I hold, I stockpile. But you know what Becky, living according to the Spirit, says, Hey, everything I have is from God. And ultimately, like, it's, it's God's. It's not simply for my own security or my own enjoyment, especially when there's uncertainty in life. I need to be generous, to share with others. I can't allow myself to be controlled by future unknowns that may or may not happen. Like, that's not trusting God. Another way you can identify the Spirit's promptings in your life is by asking yourself the question that we've been coming back to as a church over and over and over again this year. What does love require of me? You see, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of of love. And when we are submitted to him, dependent on him, he will produce love in us. So by asking, what does love require of me? You can begin to identify the ways in which the Holy Spirit is prompting you in that particular situation. And really, this doesn't just apply to love. We can can compare our thoughts and our actions to all of the fruit of the Spirit, to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, it's found in Galatians 5, and, and that's a chapter where the Apostle Paul, he talks about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives and this fruit that the spirit will produce in us. So your thoughts and your actions, the ones that are more loving, the ones that are more joy-filled or or peace-filled, the ones where you have greater patience or you're filled with kindness, goodness, gentleness, those moments when you exhibit more self-control than you normally would, these are ways the Holy Spirit is leading and prompting you. 
Pay attention to your self-talk. Ask what does love require of me in specific situations. Compare your thoughts and your actions to the fruit of the Spirit. These are all ways that can help you begin to identify the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. But you know, as helpful as these things can be, the frustrating part is that it still doesn't give us a clear process for like how to do this right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like my list. I want to know exactly what I need to do. Just tell me step one, step two, step three. I'll put it somewhere where I'll see it every day so I can remind myself and then I'll be living according to the Spirit. But Paul doesn't give us a simplistic formula. He doesn't give us a five-step how-to. And I believe the reason the how for living according to the Spirit isn't as clear as we would want, as we would hope it would be, is because the how, right, the list, the routine, the ritual, it's the very essence of what it means to live according to the flesh. It's a process that we could follow so that we could ultimately still be the one in charge, the one in control the one who's making things happen so that we can still be our own God and live life dependent on ourselves instead of dependent on God. And Paul says, no, not a chance. If you're in Christ, you have to adopt a completely different approach to life. We're not talking about ritual or routine. We're talking about relationship. And I don't, I don't run my marriage by a list. Right? Like, could you imagine if I was like, good morning, honey. Okay, great spouse. Check. Hey, can I do anything for you this afternoon? Okay, offer to help. Check. Hey, thanks for doing the dishes. Show appreciation. Check. Like, that would be silly to try and run my marriage that way. Why? Because a deep, loving connectedness, it doesn't come from following a list, from making sure I've got all my T's crossed and my I's dotted. No, it comes from a relationship. You see, the Christian life is not about doing things. The Christian life is not about trying to become a good person so that you can one day end up in a good place. No, the Christian life is about having a relationship with God through living life according to his spirit that is inside of you. And that relationship will produce in you a deep, real love for God and for others but it's gonna require us to adopt a completely new approach to life. It's gonna require us to live according to the spirit instead of living according to self. I'll close with this. I love the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church that loves the Holy Spirit. I was raised by parents and influenced by grandparents that love the Holy Spirit. And I got to witness them live this out each and every single day. This surrender to, this dependence on the Holy Spirit and his leading, his guidance, his promptings in their life. And on my own faith journey, I have personally gotten to experience this. I mean, the Holy Spirit, he, he guides me. He, he leads me in like the big moments of my life. 
Like if it wasn't for the Spirit's promptings, I never would have ended up in California. I'm a Midwest girl. If it wasn't for the Spirit's promptings, I never in a million years would have, would have thought about going to a school for college in a state that I had never even been to before. And after college, man, I had made my own plans. I was moving back to Missouri. I was going to be with my family that I had been away from. I was going to get a job at the church I grew up in. I even told Garrett, like, hey, dating's been great, but if you want this to continue, you got to follow to Missouri. Otherwise, like, it's over. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit's promptings in my life, saying, no, 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 wait, actually, I've got something different. That's not the plan. Would you be willing to trust me? I never would have been here. Ten years ago, last month, was when I moved up to the Bay Area and I started attending a church in Livermore called Cornerstone Fellowship. And it started with listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But see, the Holy Spirit isn't just in the big moments of life. He's in the small, like, everyday, seemingly insignificant moments of my life. No, I, I, I'm led by and, and, and have the Holy Spirit prompt me when I'm driving in my car and, and when I'm thinking wrong things about myself and when I'm walking through the grocery store, I'm spending time at home with my boys. I couldn't imagine my life without the Holy Spirit in it. But I know for so many of you, so many of us, so many people who love God, who follow Jesus, this hasn't been your same experience when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so this week, as I was like preparing this message, as I'm writing, I was like so overwhelmed. I was so anxious because I'm like, how do I take like this big topic, this this big, essential, important, life-transforming thing like the Holy Spirit and try to frame it in such a way to where it's easy to understand in like a 30-minute message. It's impossible. At least that's what the Holy Spirit told me. Like, that's impossible. You can't diminish me to a 30-minute message. Stop trying. But what I can do is try to communicate to you just how important the Holy Spirit is. And then I can pray for you. And so this week as I was preparing, there were two specific types of people that the Holy Spirit put on my heart. And so I want to pray for those specific people right now. The first is anyone who would say, you know, I kind of, I, I view the Holy Spirit as, being unimportant. I mean, I, 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 I follow God and I love Jesus and, and me and like the Bible, like it's a little more tangible, even though it's harder, hard to understand sometimes. Like I, I at least it's something tangible and the, the Holy Spirit's just kind of an afterthought. And if that's you, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit he is essential. Paul would say that a Christian life lived without the Holy Spirit is not a Christian life at all. He, he's the fuel to this engine. He's the way, he's the power that we're able to live out what Jesus asks us to. 
But the second group of people that has been on my heart this week are those who would say, you know, I, I, I realize the Holy Spirit is important. I just think he's unattainable. I mean, he seems foreign and mysterious and even mystical. And, and I hear people talk about how they listen to the Holy Spirit or how they're led by the Holy Spirit, how they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I just, I feel like I'm a bad Christian because that's not my experience. I even people, hear people say that they he, heard this from the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit led them to do this. And I, I shame myself. I feel guilty because I haven't heard that voice. And if that's you, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is attainable. He is available. He already lives inside of you. And I might not be able to give you this five-step foolproof process to experiencing the Holy Spirit's voice, but I can guarantee you that as you grow in your relationship with him, And as with any good, healthy, thriving relationship, you spend time and you spend intentionality and you build trust. You will come to know and understand and hear the Holy Spirit's promptings in your life. And so if that's you, if you can relate to either one of those categories, you either feel like the Holy Spirit is unimportant or he's unattainable, I want to pray for you right now. And I'm going to ask as I pray that you would close your eyes and bow your head and just put your hands out like this. And this is just a way of acknowledging surrender. It's a physical way of acknowledging that we're going to surrender our hearts, our lives to the Holy Spirit, not just in this moment, but every day going forward so that he can show us what it means to live life according to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are such a good and loving God. And that's a love we see evident in the reality that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, to pay the penalty for our mistakes, our sins, so that we would no longer have to suffer that condemnation. Oh God, that's such an incredible reality you've given to us. But God, your goodness and your love is also evident in the reality that you didn't stop there. You give us your Holy Spirit living inside of us. There's a reason why Jesus, before he died, said, hey, I'm going to be going away, but it's actually a good thing because someone better is coming. You're going to have the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for that, for giving us that. And God, I pray for anyone who is listening today and they just feel like the Holy Spirit is either unimportant in their life or that he is unattainable in their life. And God, I pray that this week you would prove them otherwise. God, I pray that this week as they as they lean into you more, as they commit the, the, the time and the intentionality and the trust that's required to build this relationship, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in new and incredible ways. God, I pray that you would teach them how to hear the voice of your spirit, how to, how to identify the promptings of your spirit. 
and how to surrender to the empowerment of your spirit so that your spirit can work through us, can live through us and change not only our lives, but the lives of everyone around us as well. God, we thank you for this promise and for this reality. And we pray these things in your awesome and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Love you, church.